I'm Neil Loggenstein. This is a special episode of The Investigation Continues. It's being posted on March 25th, 2017. Today is exactly 42 years since 12-year-old Sheila and 10-year-old Catherine Lyon disappeared in Montgomery County, Maryland. On Monday, we'll get back to the story about what happened before and after the Lyon sisters were last seen at Wheaton Plaza Mall. But today, we'll look at what it was like to try to find the two missing girls, and we'll examine how the challenge has changed over the years. The public's knowledge in law enforcement, even their experience involving abducted children, was very limited back in 1975. That's Robert Lowry. He's the vice president of the Missing Children Division for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Child abduction like this in of itself is extremely rare and extremely rare even today. But the public's appreciation, or at least their knowledge and awareness of the situation was very minimal. The fact is these kind of things didn't happen in most communities and we all really believe that we were immune. But the fact of the matter is, is that when something like what happened to Sheila and Catherine occurred, you know, it, it really changed your community and uh, you no longer felt safe in your home. You kept your children at a closer and you were starting to lock their doors. You know, in 1975, you know, many communities, we didn't even lock our doors. So it, it really did change us as uh, communities and as a culture. Now, there are lots of resources to help in finding missing children. But back then, there wasn't one place to learn about missing kids. Sadly, back in 1975, no, there was not a National Clearinghouse. In fact, we didn't come into existence until in 1984 here at the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. But, you know, but back in 75, you know, the, the responsibility for searching for the child, which still is true today, does rest with the local law enforcement agency that responds. You know, communications with the public it isn't like it is today with the advent of the Internet, 24-hour news stations, our ability now with cell phones to reach the public through Internet and messaging through our smartphones. Uh, none of those things exist. And of course, there was no Amber Alert back in 1975. And the other problem would be is that even back in 75, there was no real place that was a depository of information regarding missing children. You know, and with our country, with the most fragmented system of law enforcement, you know, with over 18,000 agencies across the nation, communications is difficult even today, but it was much more cumbersome back in 1975. So what may have happened in Montgomery County would not necessarily, can we assume that even maybe in Washington, D.C., or or maybe some of the Virginia counties would even be aware that this had happened until some information was actually broadcast on the news. That was a very different time. That's Jill Harrington. Her daughter Morgan was 20 years old in 2009 when she was abducted from the campus of University of Virginia while attending a Metallica concert. She was later murdered. Jill and her husband Dan formed Help Save the Next Girl, a group that helps promote personal safety for girls and young women. She says that things were very different when the Lion Sisters vanished. If someone went missing, you started mimeographing. Remember purple mimeograph? Mimeographing information and going door to door or nailing posters of your missing person, you know, to stop signs and telephone poles and even the replication of the images was laborious and difficult to broadcast widely. 
Over the years, child and safety advocates have tried new ways to help find missing children. Well, you know, the milk container program actually was started by some dairies out of the Midwest, and they were looking for ways that they might help finding missing or abducted children. The fact is that even though that's probably something that we most remember about our efforts to find missing children, it was something that really didn't last very long. My understanding was maybe six or eight months is about the length of time that the pictures of children were actually placed on milk cartons, Eton Pates being one of the first. And the reason it wasn't very successful was the fact that milk cartons sit on kitchen tables and it doesn't necessarily reach the audience that we're looking for, which would be the parents or older siblings. You know, typically it's the children sitting at the breakfast table eating their cereal would be the ones actually having a clear visible view of the information about the missing child or the image. So even though it was a well-intended and I think it was our start to recognize that we need to engage the public when children are missing, it was not as successful as some folks may have thought. In 2009, when Morgan Harrington disappeared, there was a whole new set of tools available to help in the search. It was very different. I personally am not technologically adept, but the infrastructure and the technology was there, and other people leapt uh, to the forefront and helped us find a way to access it. Immediately, we had a social media presence. We disseminated Morgan's image and story widely online. I mean, we really got a wide swath of bandwidth quickly. Jill and Dan Harrington decided to be very public about the search for their daughter, knowing it would mean an invasion of privacy in their lives and the life of their missing daughter. You know, Neil, we had lost control of our very lives. Our privacy was a small matter to consider. Desperate times demand desperate responses, and we were desperate to find our daughter. We really didn't care about privacy. We did understand that it does open some vulnerability, but that was really so far down the list of importance that we kept forging ahead. You know, we were singularly focused on finding Morgan, and then once her body had been recovered, on finding the person who killed her before he killed somebody else. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Jesse Matthew, the man who killed Morgan Harrington, also killed University of Virginia student Hannah Graham. Jesse Matthew is now serving life in prison. Eventually, another young girl will disappear. You know, I think that there are in place now very good tools for us here in Virginia as well as nationally with a step-by-step guide and template. You know, contact law enforcement, contact national missing and exploited children, and they can walk you through things like don't contaminate the missing person's living space and bedroom because you may need them for a source for DNA submissions. Two things for missing adults. Check on their bank activity. Make sure the pets are being fed. Look at their phone activity. Put information out through traditional as well as social media that this person is being looked for. Gather recent photos that really are representative of what your loved one 
looks like at the time they have gone missing. When it comes to finding missing children, our strongest and most effective tool is engagement of the public, making them aware of the child being missing, sharing images of the child, and essentially making them the eyes and ears of law enforcement. We encourage, when we send out pictures and images of missing children, we encourage people to call 911 to report any sightings so that the law enforcement can respond quickly and determine whether this is the child or not. And this has brought more children home today than ever before. Amber Alert, now we're able not only to share information about the missing child, we're able to share information about potential abductors or who was seen taking the child. And that really has curbed the number of abductions that we used to see here in our country to a very minimal number that we see today. At the end of April, April 29th, Governor McAuliffe has designated that day as Virginia Missing Persons Day. It's the first annual which is nice to bring attention to some of these missing cases, and we will have a vigil for families. But we are also offering families the opportunity to submit familial DNA free of charge into the national databanks. Morgan was missing in 2009, and even since then in Virginia, we have increased the arsenal of tools for law enforcement to use. Virginia uses mitochondrial DNA for forensic assays. Dan lobbied the General Assembly here for familial DNA to be used in Virginia. We were the third state to use it. When the Lyons sisters went missing, there was no DNA technology. We are not far from a time when we will be beyond familial DNA and mitochondrial DNA, I've seen information that we should be able to derive pretty accurate representative facial structures and sketches from DNA that is recovered from a crime scene. That's a whole new world. Unfortunately, it didn't exist for the Lion Sisters. The investigation continues as an investigative podcast from WTOP. You can hear the entire series at WTOP.com. Search podcasts. You can also subscribe on iTunes and Podcast One, where you'll be notified of new episodes as the case moves forward. Remember, Episode 2 will be available Monday. I'm Neil Loggenstein. Thanks for listening.